Hello and welcome, Nationals fans, to the Dogcast, the podcast that scored the same amount of runs as the Nats in their last series. I think that might be a bit too soon. I'm your host, Blake Finney, and I'm heading up the Anti-Sergio Romo Club. Joining me this week for the first time is one of our one of our newer contributors at District on Deck, Monty Taylor. How are you doing, Monty? I'm doing all right. I'm enjoying uh, the off day. Uh, the Nationals aren't losing, so that's always good. Yeah, <laughs> I think you stole my line there. <laughs> Yeah, it's, I think a lot of people felt that way today. Yeah, uh, and thankfully, the I think the Phillies and Braves aren't losing too much ground. We'll come on to the Phillies in a bit. Uh, but obviously, we do kind of have to touch on the Rays series that's just passed. We don't really want to, but someone has to. Uh, obviously, they got swept in two games. Blake Snell and Nathan Evaldi shutting them out. Bullpen coming in to close out, especially in that last game. Did you have anyone that stood out during the series for you? I was able to find some positives, um, and it's going to come back to somebody we keep talking about, and it's somebody that, that I'm here, and I was watching the Dodgers-Cubs game the other night. ESPN was talking about him. Um, Juan Soto, he keeps hitting. He, he, uh, we had five hits in that series, and he had two of them, uh, one on each day. He also had two walks, um, so he continues to hit. Um, the other thing, the other positive I saw was uh, Bryce Harper. Uh, he did go 0 for 2 in the first game, but he did get a hit in the, in the second game against, uh, I think, I think he got walked in the ninth, but he had a hit earlier in the game, but it was a double. What's interesting about uh, him, I was looking at some of the stats earlier. He's uh, In his last seven games, he's six for 20 with seven walks. Um, all six of those hits are doubles. Yeah, so, all, of, all of his last seven hits are doubles somehow. Oh, so, yeah. yeah. I think he's he's definitely locking in, and I think Nats fans will speak to it that when he's locked in, he's taking those walks, and uh, – over the last eight games, he's had eight walks and five strikeouts, and that's kind of the sign that he's getting locked in. We saw it at the start of the season when uh, he was probably the best player in baseball for two, three weeks maybe, and he'd walked an insane amount. Absolutely, and that's and that's a big positive. We can find the silver lining in that series, even though we didn't score a run. We only had five hits. We made some mistakes base running. We got the bases loaded in the ninth of the second game, had a chance to tie it and didn't get uh, with less than two outs and didn't get that done. But we can see that Bryce Harper's starting to lock in. Juan Soto keeps hitting. Um, Anthony Rendon also had a hit, and he's 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 batting 284. Um, and then Max, uh, even though he hasn't won in any of his last four starts, he's still pitching well enough to deserve. I mean, all those games he, he pitches well enough to two uh, two in, uh, 200 runs or less. And you know we're just not getting run support for him, but he's still pitching uh, like an ace. So there's still um, some. Uh, some positives. Another positive, which you might not think about, uh, it's kind of a, it's, you know, it's a, an addition uh, for Wilson Ramos uh, <laughs> trying to get onto a, in a, into a playoff run. Although the Rays are a little kind of playing their way into, a, might be playing their way into a wild card um, situation if they keep playing the way they are. Uh, but he went three for eight with two home runs, and you know we need a catcher because Pedro is hitting like one seventy two. Yeah, I think. Um... Max Scherzer was actually my player of the series, even though he got the loss in the game. Seven innings, gave up four hits, one run, three walks and four strikeouts, which is a bit uncharacteristic. But at the end of the day, he gave up one run and he lost. I don't think you can get much harder luck than that. 
Oh, yeah, he's been fantastic. And it's ever since he got that 10th win, he just hasn't been able to get another one, even though he's given up two runs against uh, San Francisco, two against Toronto, two against Baltimore, and then the one against Tampa Bay. And he got losses in three of those four. Um, we did win the Baltimore game, but that was after he had left, so we got a no decision. So we got to do better for him on the mound, um, especially when we're uh, when he is on the mound. He's the guy that we should be getting our wins uh, in the series. Yeah, it's um, it was one of those things that coming into it, you saw the matchups, Blake Snow against Gio. It did favor Snow, and it didn't concern me a huge amount that we were shut out. Like obviously, I would have preferred to see a lot of fight and actually staying in the game, but coming into the series, I had kind of pegged that one for a loss. But then when you don't win Max Scherzer against Nathan Eovaldi, it's a serious concern. So what do you see this team doing about the offense and making some changes maybe? I'm hoping. Uh, I mean, we're still working with Daniel Murphy, kind of doing an extended spring training, basically, if you're thinking about it. He's still um, trying to get that. And he did have the, the two hit, a multi-hit game in the Phillies game um, on Sunday. So that's uh, that's a positive. Um, Eaton is going to get uh, more playing time, and he's been doing well. Um, so I, but even with that, I know that we need at least a catcher, and I'll, um, preferably um, G- JT Riomalto is going to be uh, is going to be out of our price range, um, probably. Uh, but Wilson Ramos, I think, would be a good choice. I can't really think of too many other catchers um, without giving up too much of the defense. Um, would be enough of a, of a, of a step up um and then another bat would be nice because uh, we just don't we're just not consistent enough uh the only thing i worry about is uh with the farm system is just we don't really want to get rid of soto or robles or kaboom uh, or um or fede if, prop, uh, if if preferable so uh it's a little it's, it's gonna be a little bit tough getting a big impact bat so it might be another like howie kendrick type move uh at the trade deadline uh to to get this offense going yeah, I think Wilson Ramos definitely didn't do himself any disservice for the Nats' interest with the home run in the first game. Um, and yeah, I agree. I think for me, he would be the ideal candidate because the other ones that you're looking at are kind of the Savelli type who's got a year and a half. Um, and I think they would ask for a bit more. They they like their young Major League-ready-ish prospects. So you'll remember when they took Mark Melanson, they took Felipe Rivero, who had all the raw stuff and was probably not quite major league ready. So I think someone I might look to deal to them for Savelli would be Jeffrey Rodriguez. And whether that's something that you want to go down or do you want to go down a mid to low tier prospect for Ramos for the rest of the year and then figure out the catching situation in the off season. I wonder whether in the off season, Real Muto's price goes down when they stop holding the leverage over the Nats, I guess, because Right now, everyone knows the Nats need a catcher. They're going to have to pay a premium no matter who they go after. So that's why the price on Real Muto hasn't come down. And I tweeted Craig Mish, who's presenter on SiriusXM, um, XFM, I think. Um, but he was saying that they were after Robles and Kibu, essentially. And that's giving up one of those is a stretch for the Nats, let alone giving up both. Yeah, and uh, well, and, and I, I love Wilson Ramos, even at the rental price. And you're it's, you're you're, not, you're gonna be able to spend lower, but you're also getting a guy that he's my pick to, to start the AL All Star team. I mean, he's he's probably not getting much love in the votes because it's it's Tampa Bay. Um, but he's he's the only AL catcher hitting above 270, and he's only one of two hitting with 150 plus at bats batting over 250. 
So he's also got 11 home runs, 39 RBI. Um, there's no reason he shouldn't be starting the All Star All Star game, but we've got the uh, we've got the fan vote, and that's part of what comes with having a fan vote is you get some people who may not deserve to start starting over people who do. Yeah, I think he I think he is leading right now, but whether he stays over, say Gary Sanchez, who I think he's hitting a little bit better now, but he's still at around 210. Yeah, I'm not even sure Gary Sanchez should be starting for the Yankees with the way uh, Romine hits behind him. So <laughs> that's that's a little ridiculous to me, but I won't get into the Yankees. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, thankfully, we're not a Yankees podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I guess the Nats could stop him from playing in, in the All-Star game for the American League by trading for him. Absolutely, yeah. And then I remember a couple of years ago I know, uh, that uh, that occurred with the, the Oakland A's traded for Jeff Samarja right after the uh, – all-Star, right before the All-Star uh, votes had been uh, called in, and Samarja got selected to the AL All-Star, or NL All-Star team, even though he was on the AL roster. So it happened. So that'd be pretty cool to have him come to D.C. Uh, even though he's uh, on the AL team, he'd be, you know, if we get that done before the deadline, Mike Rizzo. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully he's listening. Um, yeah. But I, we do have to talk about some of the downsides of the series, and obviously we saw Gio Gonzalez get roughed up pretty badly in the first game. One inning... Three hits, six runs, five walks, and two strikeouts, and obviously the grand slam to Jake Bowers. And it's been a theme for Gio. He's been regressing a lot lately. Do you think this is just a bad stretch for him, where he's giving up some home runs? I'm really hoping it is. Um, the work. The thing I worry about with Gio is that he's a big confidence guy. Uh, he he relies a lot on that confidence. I remember he struggled with Matt Williams as manager because he was afraid of the quick hook. Uh, so he struggled a little bit more, and then after uh, Dusty came in and Mike Maddox was the pitching uh, coach, he did a lot better with the, having that trust from the manager and the pitching coach. Uh, and being hooked after one inning, granted it was it was necessary. He didn't have great command, and he'd give up six runs, but that, that'll definitely hurt his confidence. But at the same time, it's all it's going to take is one good start to reset that confidence. So it's it's possible because the Phillies actually hit worse than we do. We uh, as a team, we're hitting 238 on the season. I think the Phillies hit 235. So even though they've got some pop, it might be it might be a good series for for Geo to to reset um, that confidence and get a good start in. Because um, his last his last three starts, he's got he's got an ERA over 10. So that's <laughs> that's got a yeah. change. Yeah, it's not been pretty and. We noticed it at the start of the season where he was putting a lot of base runners on and stranding them. He was inducing a lot of soft contact, but now maybe as the weather warms up, the home run ball's starting to fly and he's going to get a little bit, maybe not unluckier, but he's going to start giving up a few more runs and probably not the all-star type campaign we saw in the first what month and a half. Oh, yeah. He had a 2.67 ERA going into those uh, before these last three starts, so he was... He was uh, he was doing really well, and he's always going to be effectively wild. So you're always going to be at risk of having those big games, uh, bi- uh, big run games where he gives up five, six walks. But uh, in the last couple of years, I feel like he's done pretty well, kind of stranding those runners, like you said, getting himself in trouble and getting himself out. And uh, but the other day, I, I actually sat down to watch the game in the third inning, uh, and uh, it was already six. I think already been pulled, and I was kind of. Trying to figure out what had happened, so <laughs> I had to rewatch the first couple of innings later on, and uh, it, it just wasn't good. He's got to he's got to do better uh, against the Phillies this weekend. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm surprised we haven't touched on this sooner, but I guess we we do have to talk about the incident at the end of the second game with Sergio Romo and Michael Taylor. So for those who may have missed it, Romo came in for the save, bases loaded, two outs, struck out Michael Taylor. And then he decided to chirp at Taylor towards the end. Benches cleared. 
no punches were thrown, but even so, it didn't have the greatest look. And all this stems from Michael Taylor stealing third base off Sergio Romo with a 9-2 lead in the bottom of the sink, sixth in a game in early June. So I've got some quite strong opinions on it, but I'm going to let you go first. What did you make of the whole incident? Well, first, I was really impressed with Michael Taylor. Um, you just see he just walks off, shakes it off, no big deal. And it's actually, uh, I think, Daniel Murphy and Adam Eaton and uh, getting out there and, and standing up for him. But I was I was pretty impressed. I mean, he struck out. Game was over. He was he just took it. Um, I get that Sergio Ro uh, Sergio Romo was irritated that he stole third late in the game, but that's that's the, no lead is really safe, especially with the bullpen. I mean, we've, we've, our bullpen's been better, but uh, especially with the with bullpen troubles we've had the last couple of years, and. Also, Sergio Romo doing it after a game and, and getting it in his face after you struck him out, you already got what you needed, um, and you're just – it's just the way he is, and it's its kind of Bush League. I mean, if you want if you want revenge, throw at him. Like, and not don't go up and bark at him and, and, and yell at him. It's, it's, I thought it was uh, I thought it was pretty pretty rough. But I was pretty impressed with the way uh, Michael A. Taylor handled it and just walked off, walked off. Yeah. And he, did, he handled it well after the game. He was just saying that it didn't bother him. If Sergio Romo wants to be Sergio Romo, then let him. Kind of going along those lines. And Romo kept chirping after the game. He was talking about how he felt Taylor disrespected him because basically he didn't hold him on second base. And he, obviously my opinion of it is Taylor did nothing wrong in the first game. Uh, stealing third with a seven-run lead in the sixth sixth inning his team scored what eight runs in the first three innings they could have done that in that game and come back to win it so he's basically saying i have no faith in my offense but then that's a different thing compared to what he did at the end of the game which was coming after michael taylor and holding on to that grudge not as long as hunter strickland hunter strickland hold it held on to it for what three years and <laughs> romo held on to it for three weeks but to come back and chirp at him and make it about that rather than celebrating a big win for the race. Fifth win in a row. They just swept the Yankees. They just swept us. And I had a discussion with someone on Twitter about what was the borderline that he crossed. And it was going after Taylor. If he'd have done all this fist pumping, chest pounding, but directed it kind of at Ramos or in celebration, I would have been perfectly fine with that. Be entitled. It's a big, Big win, but as soon as you go after another player, that's where you're in the wrong. Absolutely, I agree with that. Um, if I, if he came in with the bases loaded, less than two outs, right, and then he got the he got Turner to pop up to shallow right, and then he got yeah. Taylor to strike out. And I, I expect some fist, some you know chest bumping and, and all that because it's a big win. It's you came in and did a great job, and that's your revenge right there. You struck him out to end the game in a game that he could have he could have won for the Nationals. Um, so, but uh, I was also impressed with Martinez after the game because he uh, he did what he was supposed to do and he protected Taylor and he based I don't know if it's, how much of it's accurate, but he said he called the steal. So if Ramos needs to be mad at anybody or uh, Sergio Ramos needs to be mad at anybody, it needs to be at uh, uh, at Martinez. Yeah, definitely, and hopefully we can forget about it. But the Nets don't play the Rays for another three years now, so <laughs> there's there's not going to be any plunking going on. I don't think so. We just got to put that in the rearview mirror. Well, I even saw if you slow down the video at the end of the the thing, you see I don't know which Nationals player, but Kiermaier's got his arm around his shoulder, and they're just kind of just chatting and, and enjoying <laughs> it on the back end there. So it wasn't too serious of a 
<laughs> of a altercation at all. Yeah, definitely. So now we're going to look ahead to the Nets series with the Phillies this weekend, four game set. So far in 2018, the Phillies are 41 and 36. This may change by the time you actually listen to the podcast because we're recording during the Phillies Yankees game. But during their series against the Yankees, uh, so far they've lost the first two. They're winning the third game currently, but in the first game they lost 4 2 despite a Michael Franco home run who's caught fire lately. And then Luis Severino did. Luis Severino things and dominated the lineup. Jake Arrieta gave up two home runs, home runs in that game in a six nothing loss. And then my notes still say insert Wednesday recap here. Like I said, they're they're three nothing up currently at the time of recording. They'll probably have finished by the time that we finish recording. But are there any Phillies that you're keeping an eye on this series? Well, uh, you already touched on Franco. Uh, he's like you said, he's red hot. Last seven, he's batting three forty eight. So he's definitely somebody we're going to be looking out for. And of course, the other big bat in the lineup—he's actually been—he's actually been really well uh, playing well as uh, Adubo Herrera. Um, as always, he's always going to be somebody you're going to circle. He should be—he should be making the All-Star team. Uh, he's batting 345 with three home runs in his last seven, not including tonight. So uh, those are the two big guys. Um, looking forward to seeing uh, Reese Hoskins, even though he's struggling a bit as late, just after the whole fiasco the other night with the. Uh, with the fan where he was yelling into the crowd. I don't know if you heard about that, but um, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. And then other than that, I mean, we just saw him this past weekend, so you will see him a lot <laughs> more. So um, it's, a, it's a lot of repetition, but um, did you know that ESPN are huge fans of Adubal Herrera? I, I still, um, I still watch the ESPN broadcast. I, I don't know. I guess I'd rather watch it in real time, given that I don't have access to, Masson, but they kept they kept talking about how he's got a lot going on and all that jazz, and it's it's a bit sickening. He's a he's a really good player. There's no doubt in that, but ESPN does have a habit of going on and oh, you know, about Harper the same way. And <laughs> like, yeah, you don't want me you don't want me to get started on the evil of ESPN. Oh, we could be here for a couple hours, um, especially with their broad baseball broadcasting. I can't. I I have trouble watching some of those ESPN broadcasts, but. Um, so Sunday night game was rough. I ended up listening to it on the radio more than watching it on ESPN. So I'll take the, I'll take our massing boys anytime. Uh, but, um, yeah, Dubal Herrera gets a lot of love in the Phillies lineup, but you know, he's, he's earning it. He's batting 298. So, um, ideally we can get them, they can complain, they can give them excuses after this weekend on why he didn't hit in the series. That'd be nice. Yeah. Um, I think one, one player that I'm, Fairly interested to see is Jake Arrieta for obvious reasons. The Nats target, who started the season really well, but now in his last five starts, he's got a six 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 ERA, and his <laughs> ERA in that time has jumped from two one six to three five four. So, do you think this is a good time for the Nats to face Jake Arrieta? Oh, absolutely. Uh, I think we've had some success against him in the past, so um, maybe not in the playoffs, but, uh, last season, but in the regular season, but, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, Gio is matching up with him on Sunday. So like we were talking about with Gio and that confidence booster, especially if our offense gets going against Arietta, you know, if we can just, if Gio can just give us a quality start there, that can be a huge first confidence. Um, if we can get some runs for him against Arietta. Mm. Uh, yeah. Um, are there any nuts that you're keeping an eye on who need to improve or need to keep up their good work? 
Uh, I mean, it's we talked about Soto, uh, the positives from the race series with Soto and Harper. So we want to make sure we want we're hoping that uh, obviously that Harper continues going. Uh, seven doubles, <laughs> last seven hits have been doubles, so that's always good. So hopefully he can continue building on that because there's a couple times where we've we've been like, all right, there Bryce is coming out of the out of this slump. Here it comes, and then goes right back into it. So hopefully he can continue to build on that. And then of course I just. I can't, I can't watch Juan Soto enough. Like, I just, it reminds me of, he just, everything he does is at the plate, and, and when he chokes up, I absolutely just can't get enough of it. Um, he's, yeah, I think, I think with Soto, it's, everyone keeps telling you he's 19, they must mention it five times a broadcast, but when you watch him, that completely goes out of your head, and you feel like you're watching a 10-year veteran. Yeah, absolutely. And every time you think he's going to look overmatched, he, 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 he hits an opposite field double or an opposite field home run. And it's just, it's just so much fun to watch. And it's, it's good. They keep mentioning him 19 because it kind of, it kind of makes you think about how special it is. Uh, I know sometimes we're a little like, it's nice when we get reminded of how special somebody is. Cause sometimes when we watch a team all the time, it's easy to take someone for granted. I was mentioning to somebody like Max Scherzer, how crazy it is, is it that we, almost expect him to, to, to throw a no-hitter every time out. Like, we expect he has a chance to throw a no-hitter every time out. How ridiculous is that? Is it when we're surprised when he gives up a hit in the first inning like he did? Um, I think it was uh, not the past start against the Rays, but a start uh, before that. But we were just surprised that he got a, gave up a hit in the first inning. Um, it's nice sometimes when they point this stuff out because it makes us appreciate how special uh, Juan Soto is because he's 19 and he's, you know, playing like, like a 10-year vet. Yeah, it's, um, like you say, we just marvel about it, and he's he's more than earned it. Even in his first week or two, people are still going, well, he might get optioned back to back to the mine leagues when everyone gets healthy. Like, if he'd have hit, say, 270, 280 and done well, but not blown everyone's socks off like he has done, then he may well have gone back. But he's played so ridiculously well that you can't send him down. Uh, I guess the question I have is: He the Rookie of the Year favorite in the National League? Oh, that's a that's a good question. Um, trying to think of uh, Ozzy Albies in uh, Atlanta's. I don't, I don't think he's a rookie anymore. I think the the main contenders are Ronald Acuna, Walker Bueller, and Austin Meadows. Walker Bueller has been pretty impressive, but um, yeah, that's. That's good if Albies isn't uh, a rookie because even if he was, though, I think if Soto keeps playing the way he is with the average mm. and, and, and the home run because he's got 20 home run power. I don't know if he'll hit 20 because of the amount of time he's missed in the beginning of the year, but he's got uh, the average and the walks. I think he, he should be leading it, if not um, right there, right on the cusp of it because I know Walker Buehler's having a pretty good season for the Dodgers. Um, it's always hard to compare pitchers and uh, and position players for that award. So, um, but yeah, right now he's he's probably my rookie of the year for sure. Yeah, I think right now he's the favorite, and I think his main competition is going to be Acuna, the super prospect who I think he was he's going to be activated from the DL on Friday. So I think the Braves have a day off on Thursday. Um, and yeah, Acuna's got the power, but then Soto's got the approach and. It feels like he's not going to regress a huge amount. I can't can't realistically see him hitting under 290 the rest of the way. No, I, I agree with that because it's just 
every time you think he's going to kind of go in a slump, he finds a way to break out of it. And he's, I mean, his two strike approach is just uh, amazing. And I wrote that article about it the other day. Uh, he's, he's actually do he's actually got better plate discipline uh, than Bryce Harper did at 19. And we've seen how Bryce has turned out with the walks and the, um, you know, the, the plate discipline there. So, I mean, he's only going to get better too. That's the other thing when you remind when they remind us that he's 19 is he's not even close to his full potential. So he's going to get better. So, um, and, and that's why I'm excited about. Because I think you mentioned that if he had done a little bit uh, like hit 280 and done pretty well, they might have sent him back down. I think that was originally the plan. I think he was just a stopgap, give him a cup of, uh, a cup of coffee at the big leagues. But he, uh, I mean, that's nice when they kind of uh, ruin plans in that way uh, to uh, by by just hitting. And he's earned it, and I hope he never goes down. I, I, like I said, I mean, even when he's slumping, watch him choke up on that bat with two strikes. Um, I know uh, Anthony Rizzo and, and jo Joey Votto do it, but I don't see many other uh, hitters hitters do that. Um, I know, uh, like I said in the article, I wouldn't see Bryce Harper doing that. He's going, he's trying to hit a home run every time he goes up there. So uh, I just yeah. love watching him play. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think one player that on the flip side of it that I'm somewhat concerned about as everyone in the district on deck Slack channel will know is Michael Taylor. Uh, he's left 13 runners on base in his last three games, struck out with the bases loaded twice in huge spots. I think it was in the fifth inning of the Sunday night game. And then he struck out with the bases loaded to end Tuesday's game. Do you think Taylor can keep up the hot streak that he had been on? Or are we going to see the Michael Taylor that we saw at the start of the season? Oh, I hope we never see the Michael Taylor that we saw, saw at the start of the season because I, I just don't know how – I know his average on fastballs uh, at one point during, you know, during the first month was like in the low 100s batting average, which you can't have. Like if you can't hit a fastball, you should not be in the major leagues. Uh, so hopefully we never see that Michael A. Taylor again. That being said, um, we'll probably see something in between. I think his hot streak's probably coming to an end. So he'll probably regress a little bit, but I don't think he'll go back to what he was doing uh, in April and yeah. early. Yeah, I think well, what was concerning is uh, I don't remember off the top of my head the uh, bat in the Phillies. Well, I remember the outcome, but I don't remember the pitch sequence. But to finish off the Rays game, it was just three fastballs, and they kept going up the ladder in the zone, and that's that's been his weakness. People throw a fastball up in the zone with two strikes, you're pretty much guaranteed to get an out. Oh, yeah. Well, I saw somebody make a joke on Twitter uh, right as he got up, and they said, uh, all right, well, Michael Taylor's coming up, so we'll see three, uh, three, three big swings and then strikeout. And they were joking, and it ended up being not a joke because that's exactly what happened. So That sounds like me. <laughs> I, don't, I may have been. I don't, I don't. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, but, yeah, I'm definitely concerned, I think. At the very least, he's still got a role to play on this team. There's no way they're going to actively look to get rid of him. Maybe he does get dealt in some scenario, but they're not going to go out of their way to deal him. As, as a fourth outfielder who plays gold glove defense, he's got a bit of pop and a stolen base. You can do a lot with that as a bench bat. And, and with Eaton's mobility, he's our, uh, he's probably our only true center uh, center fielder, correct? I mean, Goodwin can play there. Um, yeah, I think good, Goodwin's probably maybe a tick above average in center yeah. field, but then Eaton and Harper are probably a tick below average. Harper maybe a little bit further. And then we've seen one Soto's adventures in left field. He's not going to be. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 
I think I think Michael Taylor is going to be one of those guys. He's going to be our fourth outfielder, and then he's going to become an, a late game defensive replacement um, when we need him for in close games because he is a Gold Glove caliber center fielder, as we saw last season when he was uh, one of the runners up for it. So um, he's going to play a role on this team, and maybe and after last year's postseason heroics, we know he can do it. So hopefully he's going to he's going to take advantage of those opportunities when he gets up. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one of the interesting points about this series is the looming activation of Jeremy Hellickson. So he's due to come back on Saturday. We'll go into him and his stats into a, in a bit more detail soon. Uh, but they've got an impending roster move coming up. Um, they're probably going to have to end up getting rid of a bullpen arm. Uh, so obviously the possible options here are Sammy Solis, who has an option left after much debate. It turns out that he didn't use up an option in 2016. He was down for 19 games and the limit is 20. So that that was okay. They also have an option on Tim Collins, but he can decline a demotion and elect to be released. So depends how that works out. And then you've got the options who are, um, they're out of options, funnily enough. Uh, Sean Kelly, Matt Grace, and maybe Brian Goodwin, if they want to shorten the bench a bit, acting as the fifth outfielder. How do you see them going with this decision? Well, it's funny because we uh, we've talked about this in the in, in our you know amongst ourselves a little bit. And we all want we all think we should DFA Kelly. We'd like to, and honestly, the way I'm thinking about it, it might actually be the best thing because if we if we send Solis down, we've only got one lefty uh, outside of Doolittle, who's our closer, right? We've just got Matt Grace, Tim Collins. Oh, Collins is a lefty. Okay, so so you can actually send uh, Solis or Collins down. I don't think you can. The choice is either going to come to DFA Kelly or send Solis down because you're not going to be able to send Collins because he's going to opt out and somebody will sign him because he's doing really well in the in, you know in the appearances he's making as a national. So you know you can also DFA uh, Matt Grace, but I don't think that's going to happen. Mm. Uh, so honestly, I think the best choice would be for Sean Kelly to uh, to get designated for assignment. Uh, yeah, I think. Um... I think based based on performance alone, it has to be Kelly. Salif has actually done okay this year. I think he's given up a few runs of late, but before that, he was somewhere in the low threes in the ERA. Uh, he, he had a rough start, and um, I think since the first of May, his ERA was in the twos. So, on ability alone, it would be Kelly. And but we've seen this season that they're trying to keep everyone about and kind of account for these injuries. We've seen them send send Wanda Suero down, even though he was performing really well in favor of DFA and Kelly. So I think they're going to go with Solis and kind of work out these kinks that we've seen lately. But again, you can't rule out them DFA and Kelly on his performance alone. And the key thing with Kelly is he's not going to go multiple innings. Solis can go multiple innings. Collins can go multiple innings. Matt Grace, we've seen numerous times go multiple innings and even start in San Diego, which... I remember watching that back in the UK at three o'clock in the morning. And just, uh, had to make sure I wasn't dreaming that he was twirling. I think he went four innings in the end and twir twirled a gem to start off that game. So, uh, but yeah, back to Kelly. It's, it's the length that might that might tempt them to find the DFA. I'm just not a big fan of relievers who give up a lot of home runs, and that's something he does. Um, I hope I hope they do. Uh, I mean, it's a tough bit, tough call, but I do hope they DFA him. I just uh, that Brave that four that big four game Brave series when we brought him in in a you know in a was it 
tie game or one run game and he gave up that home run to mm-hmm. Watson. I think it was tie game. And then that or we were leading by one. That's what it was. Yeah. By one. Yeah, we we've done that a few times where we've brought Kelly in who's ob- obviously prone to the home run in a one run game, which I find baffling. You can justify it in a three run game, say, and then gives up a home run, there's a sign of trouble, take him out. Um but yeah, in a one run game where he can give up a home run at any point, it's baffling to me that he's been brought in in those scenarios. Oh yeah, and maybe and maybe that's on the manager. I'm not sure, but uh, that's a that's a topic for another time. But um, but yeah, so it probably be, yeah, I, I'm with you. It'll either be Solis being optioned down or or Kelly being DFA'd. And you're the way it's been going with with they're trying to keep everyone. I could definitely see them going with Solis. I'm hoping they go with DFA and Kelly, but they'll probably go with optioning Solis. Yeah. Uh, so now we're going to look ahead to each of the matchups individually. Thankfully, this section's a lot longer than the last one. We've got four matchups this time. Starting us off is Tanner Ark against Aaron Nola on Thursday at 7.05 p.m. Eastern. Tanner Ark, 3-8 with a 4.27 ERA. That's gone up like every podcast episode. And Aaron Nola, 9-2 with a 2.58 ERA. What are you watching out for in this one? Uh, that's not going to be a good one to try to hope for our offense to get started. I know we, we do hit pretty well off Aaron Nola. So on paper, this looks like it favors the Phillies, but you never know it. And, and, and especially with the national, it tends to be, you know, whenever you expect us to struggle offensively, we hit. And then when you're like, Oh, we got, you know, we got somebody who's struggling and all of a sudden they look like they know hit us into six innings. Like, uh, Eovaldi did the other day. So, um, you never know, but, uh, yeah, Aaron Nola is is looking looking really really good for them. So I'm not too excited about that because Roark has really struggled. Him and Gio are just have chosen a real bad time to struggle for us because you know well just like Gio's last three starts, Tanner's 0 and 2 with an 8.30 ERA. He's given up eight walks and 13 runs. So um, that's not ideal going into this Philly series. But like I said with Geo, this is a Phillies team that can go cold. They do. They actually do have a, a lower batting team batting average lower than the Nationals. So um, maybe this is the start that uh, that Roark needs to kind of get back into it. Yeah, I think it, it's definitely one that I'm not necessarily favoring the Nationals in. Any other year, Nola would be up there with the Cy Young uh, contenders. But I think Scherzer and DeGrom are running away with that. Uh, he didn't have his best stuff against the Nats. Six innings, four hits, two earned, three walks in the start on Saturday last time. Uh, and I think the key in that one was the Nats managed to get to the bullpen pretty early. They they had the Phillies up in a key spot and they had a pinch hit for Nola. So we'll see. Roark needs to turn it around and the walks have been biting him of late. So if he can restrict those, keep the Phillies to say two runs and put in that Tanner Roark trademark quality start, six innings, three runs, then maybe they have a chance. But if I had to pick a winner, I'm going to pick the Phillies. Is that where you're going? Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd go with that. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if, like you said, if Tanner comes out there, especially going up against a starter with like Nola, and he ups his game a little bit. Uh, but I'm I'm leaning towards the Phillies in game one with, uh, with, with Nola on the mound. Yeah, definitely. In game two, uh, we have Eric Fetty against Nick Pavetta on Friday at 7.05 Eastern. Eric Fetty, 0-3 with a 5-3-2 ERA. Nick Pavetta, 4-6 with a 4.06 ERA. This one seems a lot more evenly matched, thankfully. Oh, yeah. And I think this is where Eric Fetty's going to get his first uh, his first win here. Mm. Um, 
I think he's going to keep that sinker down and, and he's going to, you know, we're going to hit off Pavetta after we might struggle Friday night, but we're going to, I think we're going to hit off Pavetta on, uh, on Friday night. And I think we're going to take that game. Yeah. Yeah. I have it going the same way. Uh, they did get to Pavetta before five innings, eight hits, two runs, two walks, seven strikeouts, struck out Taylor with the bases loaded, which could have really broken that game open. And I remember earlier in the season and they put six runs on him in the first inning. So we've actually hit Pavetta quite well. Uh, I wonder if the Nets think about Jonathan Papelbon when they see him. I, I do a little bit. And the thing that worries me a little bit how this series is matched up is if Roark doesn't have a great start on Thursday and we have to go to the bullpen early, and on the flip side, Nola has a good start and goes deep and their bullpen gets a little rest, It's gonna the, the series is going to favor the Phillies because we want to get to that Phillies bullpen because that's where they're a little weak. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the matchup scares me a little bit on Thursday night when they've got their ace going and we've got a struggling Roark coming in there. Um, and then Saturday you've got Fetty who, you know, is probably going to be able to go six um, at, if even on a good day. Cause we saw what happens when we try to get him to go seven. Uh, I was just a little bit too much there uh, last week. So, um, and then of course we know Hellickson's probably not going to go, you know, three times through the order. Mm-hmm. So, and then we got, yeah. Betty pitched into the seventh inning for the first time in his major league career. I think, again, like you say, I think this is the one where he finally has the stat line to back up how well he's pitching. We heard David Martinez sing his praises in the press conference after about how he was keeping the ball down. And he gave up eight hits, but four or five of those must have been CNI ground balls that somehow found a hole in the infield. So if they go another way, he's pitched an absolute gem and probably does pitch that seventh inning and have a really strong start. Oh yeah, and and like uh, that five point three two ERA is a little, a little high considering. I mean, two of those games are against the Yankees, and we, you know, he I, th- I felt like he held his own pretty well in both those starts. And uh, the San Diego game, I thought he was excellent. And then uh, they originally had only given up one earned run, and they reversed that Harper uh, error into a hit, and that made him uh, gave him three earned runs. So. I thought he's pitched really well this season, especially when you uh, take into account his struggles last year. Mm. Uh, so, but it's going to be critical for one of these guys for uh, these guys to try and at least go six innings because we don't have Scherzer in this series, and we, we got to you know it's good. the thing with four game series is it's really can be really taxing on the bullpen. But thankfully, we do have the off day today, so that'll help as well. Mm. Yeah, I think um, again, I've I've mentioned that this is the one that I'm I'm targeting and. Hopefully we do see that from Fetty. It was the first, I think he'd only given up, I think, well, no, he'd given up a home run in every single major league start he'd had bar one last year. And that's not the type of pitcher he is. He gave up three home runs in his entire minor league season and they were all against the Lehigh Valley Iron Pigs, great minor league team name. So hopefully he can keep the home runs down again. He did that last time. So hopefully we'll see that again. Yeah, and, he, and, he's, and the big difference between last year, we've talked about the velocities up. Uh, he's mixing his pitches better because he was very dependent on the sinker last season when he was getting just absolutely battered in those three starts last season. Um, so it, he looks a lot better and looks like the you know the top uh, top pitching prospect. Um, and and he's, I'm thinking, I'm agreeing with you. I think he's going to get the win on Friday. Hmm. Next up, we've got. Jeremy Hellickson against Vince Velasquez on Saturday at 6.05 p.m. Eastern time. I had to double check when I looked that up. 
Jeremy Hellickson coming back from the DL, 2-0 with a 2-2-8 ERA. Vince Velasquez, 5-8 with a 4-6-9 ERA. One point that I do want to touch on here is say that Fede Pavetta start doesn't go the next way and they drop two games in the series. Could you see them pushing back Hellickson's activation to Monday, bumping Geo to Saturday and Scherzer to Sunday, potentially, considering it's a divisional opponent? They could. I don't think they will. Um, it, it does help that Strasburg's on the rotation because I know how it's important uh, uh, routine is to Strasburg, but it's important to all the rest of these guys as well. And I don't think they're going to want to mess with the uh, routines there of Gonzalez, uh, of Gio, and uh, Scherzer that late. Um, I think they'll stick with Hellickson on Saturday. It is only late June, and I don't think they're going to they're going to panic too much, even though we might be. Uh, if we drop the first two games, uh, I'd like to see something like that, but I think they're gonna they're gonna stick with what they've got, um, and we'll we'll see Hellickson on Saturday. Mm. Yeah, I think the the one thing that does factor into it is they face the Boston Red Sox next. It's not like it's the Marlins or the Mets. Probably worse than the Marlins right now, thankfully. Um, I think that factors into it. So you would just be feeding Jeremy Hellickson to the Wolves against the Red Sox. So I don't know whether that's worth it. Yeah. And then uh, it's funny because Helix, I know in his last rehab start in Potomac actually gave up 11 earned runs, uh, which is not great, but it's also, you know, he's healthy. Um, I, I'm not sure exactly what went, out, went wrong in that start, but it hopefully, uh, hopefully it doesn't mean anything. Hopefully he's healthy and, uh, you know, whatever he did wrong in that game, he doesn't bring to the majors. He leaves it down there in Potomac. Yeah, I think uh, to me it's almost as meaningless as spring training. He got in his 83 pitches, which is the important part and leaves him enough to be ready to start on Saturday. So that doesn't worry me too much. Come back to me in the second inning if he's given up eight runs, then then I'll be worried. Um, but yeah, I think it's just as meaningless as spring training. And looking on the other side of that matchup, Vince Velasquez, who the Nats hit, pretty well and he's also struggling at citizens bank park he's got a 623 era which is about four points higher than it is on the road so is this another chance for the nats to get a win oh absolutely uh the only thing is again uh, a lot of times i can't tell you how many times i've seen a struggling guy come in against the nationals and then we make him look like he's uh, a cy young contender so uh that's the only thing I worry about, but we should, on paper, have no problem um, reigniting our offense. I really like them. Uh, honestly, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I feel like those are our days to really get our offense going. So we just got to you know, be aware on, on Friday that we're facing a, a guy that's an ace of the staff, and we might struggle one more night, but then we've got our chances. We should have our chances Friday, Saturday, and Sunday um, against those the other three um, – the Phillies pitchers there. So yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I don't think any of them heavily favor the nationals per se, but they probably, the nationals probably have an edge in all three Sunday, Sunday probably is a toss up, but especially on Saturday, Helix and Velasquez, if we see the Helix and that we've seen before the injury where, albeit he is going five innings, not facing the lineup a third time through, he gives up one or two runs and that's going to keep the Nats in it to get it to the bullpen. Absolutely. So, and we want to get into the, you know, we want to get into the Phillies bullpen because they're, that's where they're, 
depth isn't great. Um, they do have. We've rallied off them twice. Eight yeah. fitting on Sunday, and obviously the big walk off in the last game of the previous series. Absolutely. So that's what, what we want to get to, especially in a four game series, get them using. If we can get somehow get Nola out before the sixth inning somehow, which is not likely, but if we can do that, that's going to swing the, the, the momentum way in our favor for the rest of the series. And so it's June, and I can't tell you how many times I've sat here and been like, oh, it's it's a huge series this weekend. And it's, it's funny because last year I don't think I sat there and was like, oh, it's a huge, you know, biggest series of the season for the Nationals. And I'm sitting here, um, talk. we're talking about this, and I'm sitting here thinking this is the fourth or fifth. Oh, this is the biggest series of the season for us. Um, and we want to – we want to try and get through here, and at, at the very worst, we got to split this series. Uh, but hopefully, going to get three or four, and maybe I mean, I doubt we'll be able to get the four-game sweep. But it's something we need to be, you know, trying to get there. Um, yeah, I think I think a split I would be happy with, and we maybe we slip up in one of the the last three games. I've I've been more than happy than, with that. Get us back on track, and we do have after the Red Sox a fairly easy. Well, I say easy, the Nats will probably make it look hard, but we have the Marlins, the Pirates, and the Mets as our last three series before the All-Star break. So cling on in this series, cling on against the Red Sox, and then make a surge before the All-Star game. Absolutely, because that's the other thing with the All-Star game. I want to, you know, it's a celebration, and I want to, uh, you know, we've been waiting <laughs> years for this to come to D.C., and I really would like our team to be, you know, in a good mood going into that all-star break. So it's a celebration, not a, oh, well, the all-star breaks here. Thankfully, we don't have to watch them disappoint us anymore. Uh, <laughs> uh, you can tell we just got swept by the Rays because we're, we're being a little negative. But, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's, and it's funny. I mean, uh, you talked to me on Sunday night after we played this series, and I could be bouncing if we, if we take three or four. I could be, you know, we're going to win the World Series, you know, within a span of four days. Um, so... It's that's how baseball is sometimes, but uh, it's it, we can we can very well be in a really good spot on a uh, you know going into the Red Sox series. Mm. So the final matchup of the series: Gio Gonzalez against Jake Arrieta, Sunday at one thirty-five p.m. Eastern. Gio Gonzalez six and five with a three-six eight ERA. Jake Arrieta five and six with a three-five-four ERA. And both of these pitchers are heading in the in the wrong direction. We talked about Arrieta and Gio Gonzalez in the build-up to this. Is this going to be a run fest? <laughs> you know, again, it's it's funny. We always think like that, and it's going to be run a uh, run fest, and it ends up being a pitcher's duel, and then vice versa. When we got like Kershaw Scherzer on the mound, it ends up being a uh, <laughs> it ends up being a huge run fest. So, um, I think it it will probably you're probably right. I think uh, I think Gonzalez Gio will have a good start, um, but I. It's probably – I'm thinking maybe 5-3 Nats. Um, I think Gio will give up two, and he'll get back in that confidence booster. I think Arietta will have a pretty good start, but I think we'll get them uh, – get to their bullpen. Um, it'll be another, you know, seventh, eighth inning win um, for the Nats. Mm-hmm. I think I think we'll take three out of four. Yeah, I think in this one I'm probably going to be pessimistic and pick the pick the Phillies. I think Arietta feels like he's going to – he's more likely to bounce back than Gio. Gio still – struggling through that warm weather, giving up the home run, walking a lot lately. So hopefully he takes a step in the right direction, but then I think Arietta's going to potentially have the Nats number in this one. But again, it's one that I said before, it's a toss-up, could go either way. And if the Nats are high on confidence, potentially winning 
Friday and Saturday, then who knows? They might be able to score plenty of runs off Arrieta and take this one. Oh yeah, um, I'm 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 thinking we could get three out of four, but I, it'll probably be closer to a split. But I'm I'm feeling positive after uh, <laughs> after thirty seconds ago feeling negative. So uh, I'm I think I need I think I need to send a therapist around your house. <laughs> I'm positive after two back to back shutouts. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, give me 30 more seconds. I'll be back to being negative. So. <laughs> um, uh, so, yeah, I think that just about wraps us up for this episode. I think I want to say thanks again to Monty for joining me today. And where can our listeners find you? Um, I'm on Twitter at mdavistaylor. And you can find me on uh, you know, I'm writing articles for District on Deck. Yeah. And uh, thankfully, I'm not the only District on Deck writer tweeting about the World Cup. So make sure you follow Monty. <laughs> so it's not it's not just me oh yeah oh uh, he, he might do a bit more or less uh football's coming home but that, oh. that's another that's a story for another podcast oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh remember to check out some of our content on site this week tom wrote a really interesting piece uh about whether the nats decision to let dusty baker go was the right or wrong one and then Brian also talked about Trey Turner, whether he's uh, going to be a franchise cornerstone for this team moving forward. Remember to follow us on Twitter at District on Deck. Give us a like on Facebook, District on Deck. Subscribe to us on Spreaker, iTunes, and Google Play, and you can get episodes automatically downloaded for you. We'll be back at the weekend as we look ahead to the Nats hosting the Boston Red Sox, and we get everyone's favorite 4th of July 11 o'clock game. So we'll see you then. Bye.